You're listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income, currency, and commodity markets today. I'm Ipekozil, senior strategist with the U.S. interest rate derivative strategy team in JP Morgan. And today I am joined by my colleague, Srini Ramaswamy, co-head of U.S. rate strategy, to discuss the recent developments of relevance to U.S. interest rates. We are recording this on Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, and our comments today are based on our recently released weekly publication discussing the U.S. interest rate derivatives markets, which is available to institutional clients of J.P. Morgan on our website, J.P. Morgan Markets. So, Srini, perhaps we should begin with Fed Chair Powell's remarks at the Jackson Hole Symposium last week. Can you start us off with what he said and implications for U.S. rates? Sure, Ipek. That was very much the most uh, anticipated event of last week. Um, Going into it, there was some risk of new information coming out regarding the Fed's policy frameworks. You know, for instance, some people thought that he might shed some light on the Fed's current thinking about the evolution of R-star, which is, you know, basically the long-run neutral Fed funds rate, which can be thought of the level, um, you know, can be thought of as the level where you know, policies neither restrictive nor stimulative. Um, we we didn't really think he would go into a, a policy discussion of that sort uh, in at the Jackson Hole Symposium, partly because it would significantly overlap with messaging that should probably come out more appropriately at the FOMC meeting. Uh, but in any case, um, you know, Powell's only reference to R star came, you know, basically when he noted that estimates of R star were highly uncertain and that the Fed is therefore forced to, uh, you know, quote unquote, navigate by the stars um, in setting the appropriate level of the funds rate. Beyond our star, you know, we read, uh, you know, Chair Powell's remarks as basically signaling a Fed that's willing to be patient um, in allowing the effects of, uh, you know, all, all the rate hikes to date, uh, allowing all the effects of all of that and the credit tightening that's probably happening right now, you know, allowing all of that to manifest themselves in the data. Um, but we also read his remarks as basically suggesting that the Fed is in no rush to ease, um, you know, and this basically means the the Fed is more likely than not to hold rates steady in the near term, uh, which is which is consistent with the high for long scenario that um, uh, that that markets have come to expect. Um, so, EPEC, um, a Fed that is in a high for long scenario is a big deal for our views in this options market, no? Totally. And I mean, I will start by saying, like, thanks to how aggressive this hiking cycle has been, the implied volatility surface, which just basically means the collection of swap option implied volatilities across a range of expiries and underlying tenors, is now significantly different from its historical average. So if it turns out that the Fed does indeed hold the rate steady, there is a lot of normalization in the vol surface that needs to happen. Some of this, I mean, to be clear, some of this has already happened, but we think there is actually more room for it to go. So when we talk about the surface lately, we've talked about the expiry curve and the tail curve as two summary metrics that summarize the surface. And it just means, it just refers to one year, one year implied volatility minus a 10 year, one year, and one year, one year minus the one year, 10 year differentials. So we think in the near term, in the weeks and the months ahead, um, expiry curve can decline to call it 2.2 bips per day and the tail curve can decline to 1.2 bips per day. But aside from implications for the surface, there is also a much more straightforward implication for volatility itself. As 
markets converge to pricing in a Fed on hold policy stance, it would be bearish for volatility overall. And since we think implies are not yet pricing this in, this informs our bearish bias on volatility. But interestingly, we actually like pairing short volatility positions with a properly weighted short duration position, like call it maybe a pay fix swap overlay. And this, this is because positive vol rate correlations are likely to persist at these levels of rates. And we think implied volatility will likely remain directional with the market. So one strategy we like is to pair pay fix swaps with short volatility positions, which has the benefit of enhancing carry since um, pay fix swaps are positive carry at the, at the moment, while also hedging the directionality of implied volatility. Um, but Trini, it's not just um, implied volatility. It, it also has implications on correlations. Do you want to take that? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so long story short, uh, we think correlations should decline as well. Uh, but to really sort of um, understand the intuition behind it, it's useful to start with uh, thinking about market moves as being, you know, sort of explained by principal components. Um, as many listeners will know, you can think of sort of overall moves in rates across different maturities as basically coming from, you know, let's call it two two different uncorrelated sources, right? The first you could say is a so-called level factor, which, uh, you know, as the level factor, you know, goes up or goes down, it tends to push rates up uh, by different amounts, potentially at different maturity points, but in the same direction, right? So if the level factor goes up, rates go up, level factor goes down, rates go down, uh, you know, potentially by different magnitudes. Uh, a second independent source of movements uh, is sometimes called the second principal component or the curve factor. Uh, and this tends to cause twisting moments, right? So for example, you know, a move in, you know, an upward move in the curve factor might cause two-year rates to go down and 10-year rates to go up uh, or vice versa, you know, like it tends to push rates at different ends of the uh, curve um, in different directions. Uh, you know, it pushes some rates down and other rates up. So, you know, when the level factor is large relative to total volatility in, in the rates markets, uh, correlations will be high. Um, you know, everything tends to go up or go down together um, and, and correlations will be high. Uh, but when the level factor falls, um, so will correlations. Uh, so the question really becomes, if we are expecting volatility overall to decline, uh, is it going to come predominantly from the level factor or is it going to come in some blended fashion, you know, across the first and second factors? Um, you know, to answer this question, we actually looked at uh, what call implied principal components. So basically we came up with a framework, um, you know, to use information from the swaptions market in com combination with information from the yield curve spread options market to construct uh, what we call forward looking principal components. Um, and we've addressed that, I think, in a different podcast if, uh, you know, uh, listeners are interested. Uh, but Long story short, we we did this exercise for many different dates over the past year. And what you find is that, you know, basically the curve factor is relatively stable. So if overall volatility is going to decline, it's likely to be mostly felt in the level factor, which means as the level factor falls in magnitude, uh, correlations should start to decline. So EPEC, um, I think this begs the question, you know, if correlations are going to decline, how does one you know, position for this? Um, of course, you know, one way is to buy curve options versus swaptions. 
But for investors who might want to stay within this options market, um, can you remind our, our listeners um, how a swaptions-based you know, strategy to trade correlations would work? Sure. Um, so yes, there is indeed a subtle way to trade swaptions in a way that isolates exposure to falling or, I guess, increasing correlations. But you have to trade three different swaptions with the same expiry. And we rely on the fact that the yield curve is roughly two-dimensional, meaning two factors are adequate to explain most of the variation in the curve across different points. So this would be the level and the curve factor that you were talking about. So in other words, this amounts to saying that changes in twos and fives, for instance, are sufficient to specify changes in tens. And we can say that with reasonable precision. But if that is true for rates, if we believe that, then there is an analogous relationship that must be true for volatilities. But the relationship with, for volatilities will use an assumed correlation between twos and fives in this example. So long story short, even though swaptions are univariate instruments that are strictly not correlation instruments, we can still construct a trading strategy that uses three swaptions that are carefully weighted to isolate exposure to correlation. So for instance, if we assume that the empirical relationship that links 10-year yield changes to five-year and two-year yield changes will persist going forward, there is a strategy that involves buying swaptions on 10-year rates and two-year rates versus selling swaptions on five-year rates that attempts to isolate exposure to falling twos, fives correlation. We will leave the details out of this podcast, but we discussed this in detail in our latest publication as well as in prior publications. Well, Epic, uh, I think we certainly have covered a lot of ground, uh, but I can't, uh, you know, I don't think we should end this podcast without discussing our thoughts on the curve. Do you want to take that? Yes, of course. Um, so our main theme on the swap curve, it has not changed recently. We continue to like positioning for steeper forward curves, especially in the two-year forward sector versus flatter spot curves. And I will say like there are three good reasons for this. So first, we think carry trades should do well when the Fed holds rates steady. And these trades carry positively and offer attractive carry to risk characteristics when they're weighted properly. Second, we also think relative value considerations favor such trades. Our fair value models indicate that these spot curves are too steep, while forward curves are modestly too flat. So the entry levels for such box trades are also attractive. And last but not least, we think these trades also have the right way macro risk. So in a world where the Fed is willing to be patient, but still mindful of inflation risk, the near-term risk to the funds rate is probably to the upside. But at the same time, given the amount of steepening we have seen in the funds risk curve, any potential signs of economic weakness might mean more inversion in the sector. So both of these would be supportive of our basic theme of steeper, steeper forward curves versus flatter spot curves. Well, um, that's probably uh, enough for, for today. Um, to all our listeners, uh, hopefully we've given you something to think about this week and we wish you all a very enjoyable upcoming long weekend. Um, and stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the JP Morgan research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2023, JP Morgan Chase and Company. All rights reserved. 
this episode was recorded on the 29th of August 2023.